to me, he was the most dangerous because what he was doing, he was sugarcoating the use of the Emergencies Act on something that he had absolutely no authority to impose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freedom Feature, and I'm your host, Barry Bussey. With me today, I have law professor Bruce Party to join. Uh, Bruce, it's great to have you with us. Oh, thanks for having me, Barry. So, Bruce, here we are, the end of 2022, and I've had a number of guests as we've been talking about the year in review, as it were. Um, what is your take on the state of freedom in Canada? <laughs> 2022 was not a banner year for freedom in this country. I mean, what a remarkable year it was. Um, started off pretty well, really, in late January and February with the trucker convoy. Uh, that mm. that was that was quite quite the event. Um, in a how, way, how is it? How is it that the event itself, as you look back on it, like how is yeah. it that that was such a a positive thing because certainly in a lot of the what i call the chattering classes it wasn't so positive well that's exactly why i think <laughs> the, the, the 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 chattering classes hated it and they hated it because it was a genuine it was a genuine um heartfelt response to having to being under their thumb to being under mm. the thumb of the chattering classes who were insisting upon policies and laws that that basically told people what to do. And that's not a new thing. I mean, that, that's been happening for a long time. But right. on this occasion, finally, a group of ordinary people were pushed too far. And they said, no, we're not we're not doing this. And and, and it made an impact. It, it, it was visible. It was public. Everybody saw it, and mm -hmm. a lot of people suddenly understood that they were not alone in what they were thinking about vaccine mandates and COVID rules and and the like. And so, mm -hmm. it, so it was a threat. Uh, we're we're going to talk presumably about the Emergencies Act and the Commission yes. and so on. But, yes. but but it was a threat to them. It was a threat to the established order uh, because. For the first time in a long time, this was a, was was an actual articulated opposition from a group of the uh, of the people to the agenda that that the elites were were pushing, and mm. and that hasn't happened in in Canada for a long time, and so I'm, it did have yeah. a kind of threat, and 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 that's the respect in which. Uh, well, amongst others, the, the the convoy made a real impact, not just in this country, but but beyond our borders. Right. And it remains to be seen whether or not it will it will turn out to be an inflection point, or whether or not it will be be a you know a, a burst of light in the darkness and that will that will eventually fade away. And so the jury's still out <laughs> on that. But uh, yeah. it was at least something to to behold. You know, I uh, in my own writing and so forth, I, I see it as a pivotal moment. 
um, because for the very reasons that you just articulated, but also the fact that um, governments actually had to respond to it. And even the Public Order Emergency Commission that has now resulted, and even though I agree with a lot of the criticisms, for example, that uh, the Honorable uh, Brian Peckford makes against the commission, um, and the fact that, you know, the, it's a, a, a government control thing in some ways, uh, um, as far as the terms of reference and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, yep. the fact that we have been talking about it and we've been talking about and seeing uh, the government's trying, to, not trying, but actual manipulation of the story itself and how they have been... Uh, interfering into areas where they should not have been, like into the police powers, into trying to get the police to do their bidding. Um, really, really, for anyone who's uh, been watching that, very concerning developments uh, from what has been revealed as a result of that commission. Entirely agree. But so if you want to see the same thing darkly instead... Yep. I mean, so, the, so, the, so the, 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 the good aspect of it is that you can see it happening right in front of your face. It's right. the witness of your evidence. You, you, you can see the narrative being played out and you understand what they're about. And, and there were really not many surprises. It, the story is as we would have expected it to be. But the, the, the downside of that is how, how run of the mill this kind of practice has become and right i mean besides the people who are concerned have been concerned about this from the beginning uh the the uh, the the vested interests the mainstream press the 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 established order and the political class didn't bat an eye mm. as though this this is the way things are supposed to be done and and that's the problem you you have you had live testimony from all kinds of government officials, police services and 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 departments and so on, uh, telling this story. And in a in a previous era, I would have thought that in reaction to that testimony, in the mainstream press, for example, you know people would have been shouting from the rooftops like, "What is going on? This is a breach of." The, the, the principles that we have of separation of government from police and civil liberties and and so on. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's just been. In and, fact, and they, yeah, yeah. And and I'm just, just going to say that the press kind were like the cheerleaders, saying that this is this this is okay. This is normal. Yes. Right. Right. So and and so let's let's just scratch beneath the surface of that just a little bit and, yeah. and if you want to talk about the, the 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 declaration of the emergency in response to the truckers and what happened at the commission so right. i mean as was discussed in the testimony the emergencies act has certain prerequisites for its invocation and we can go through those but let's just start with this at the end of the day after all this testimony has been produced what was it exactly <laughs> that the truckers did that was illegal. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was it? There must have been something that was illegal. The only of, thing, the, yeah. yeah, and the yeah, the only thing 
was the fact yeah. that they were illegally parking on the That's road. That's exactly my point. That the eagle, the illegal act in this situation was parking. Mm-hmm. Parking. There were trucks illegally parked on the streets in Ottawa. In, you know, I'm, I'm sure in violation of you know the <laughs> municipal bylaw, maybe the Highway Traffic Act. Certainly, there was double parking. You know, two truck, two trucks together in the yeah. in the road, and that was basically it. I mean, yeah. there was honking. And there was an application brought for an injunction and that injunction was granted because of the nuisance caused by the noise. And once the injunction was granted, the honking pretty much stopped. Mm-hmm. So that was not off the table. There was no, the, the testimony of the commission established that there was no violence. Yep. And so all you've got is parking. And so let's put this in stark terms. You have the invocation of an emergency act on the basis that somebody is illegally parked. Mm. And the crowd of, of supporters and protesters who came, you know, pre- predominantly on the weekend, but came to support the truckers and to walk in the street and hold their signs and listen to the speeches. What did they do that was illegal? Mm. Mm. Exactly nothing. nothing. Exactly mm. nothing. There's nothing that anybody has pointed to that those people did that was illegal. Mm-hmm. And yet we have the pretense of going through the process of figuring out whether or not, you know, this was above or below the line of an emergency. It's not in the ballpark. It's not mm-hmm. in the same universe as a national emergency. This, this, this doesn't rate. If this rates, then we have a much bigger problem because that means anything can be an emergency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is like when you listen to the evidence, for example, of Christopher Freeland, when she met with the Canadian bankers and how the Canadian bankers were, in essence, leading the way in, in many respects of wanting to show how faithful they were to the government and encouraging the politicians, well, look, we can't do anything in freezing the accounts unless you label them as terrorists. And so there was almost like this idea that, okay, um, you know, when she jot down in her notes, okay, label them as terrorists. Uh, right. Like, I mean, how in the world can we get to uh, people protesting as being terrorists? Well, so we've reached the point now uh, and you and I have talked about this on previous occasions. You've reached the point yeah. where having the wrong attitude or philosophy about things is is no longer acceptable. Mm. And if you're not acceptable, then you can be labeled anything that they need to label you as to make you stop. Right. Uh, 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 I'm reminded of what um, the public safety minister, Marco Mendicino, said at the time that the, the Emergencies Act was invoked in February. He was doing a scrum, I believe, and a reporter asked him, you know, essentially, you know, why, why, why are you doing this now? Do you have, do you have intelligence of, of weapons in the trucks? I mean, what, what, what's the story? Mm. And, and his response to the reporter was, well, no, we don't, we don't have that. But what we have is rhetoric. We have, we have dangerous rhetoric of an ideological position. Uh, and essentially, he was implying that that was the justification for declaring an emergency. Now, now, 
I mean, the, the problem with that is that that's true. I mean, he's speaking mm. the truth. The, the rhetoric was the reason for declaring an emergency. And that means that they decided that it was not acceptable for people to be speaking this way mm. against government policy and to be marching in the streets, which is, which is, of course, is, is, is the very essence of, of our civil liberties and democratic society. You're allowed to speak against the government. That's exactly what you're allowed to do. Right. And you don't have that. You don't have very much. And no. yet, and yet no. this, this, this is now, this is now the attitude. And we, we, we spoke about this before we, I, I suggested mm -hmm. to you that, that uh, we're, we're now in an era where, where, um, being reasonable means being progressive. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not progressive, then you are unreasonable. And if you're mm -hmm. unreasonable, you need to stop. And, and the truckers were not being progressive because they weren't agreeing with the COVID policies. And this is mm -hmm. a twisted world we live in. It's irrational. We live now in an irrational era, but, but the fact of irrationality doesn't undermine it because it's, it's built on it. It's built mm -hmm. on irrationality. And so those of us who, who keep saying, look, this doesn't make sense. Are, are, are yelling in the wind uh, because that does not undermine the, the, the premise. You know, so how do we reach those individuals out there who may even be watching or perhaps just about to turn us off now because of our position? Oh, well, we know what these people uh, think. But how do you reach individuals who are basically irrational? I mean, is there... Be, be, because there's there's no uh, there's no common framework to understand, and it's that lack of understanding, uh, just this um, just absolute opposite positions, and and it's to to me we've become tribal. Like, well, I, because my tribe has this position, I can't even look at what your position is. And how, how do we bridge that gap? Or is it totally unbridgeable? I'm not sure that it is bridgeable. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's bridgeable, you know, person by person. I mean, if you deal with individuals, mm. not in it, not a, listen, there are lots and lots of individual people with individual beliefs and, and perspectives. And I think if you talk to them one by one, who knows, right? It depends upon where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But... But um, they're, they're, they're the, one of the premises upon which the ascendant order is now based, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a neo-Marxist regime. And I hate to put it that way because it sounds extreme, but it's true. It's, it's based upon premises like Western society is, is, is systemically oppressive. Mm -hmm. And if you buy into that, then you are down the line of where we're going. One of the one of the ideas embedded in that is that there, and this is a, this is an old Marxist idea that there is there is nothing in society but power. All relationships are based upon power, and like so many other premises that are part of this agenda, that premise has become self-fulfilling self-fulfilling mm -hmm. in other words if you look around today at our our public life our political life it's becoming true that there is nothing but power 
Mm. The evidence doesn't really seem to matter. Dialogue doesn't matter because you're on one team or the other. The rule of law doesn't seem to matter. Whether or not the Emergencies Act was justified doesn't seem to matter because, you know, because they're wrong and you're right. There, if, if you start to understand that it might not have been the case when, when they began this a long time ago, that there was nothing but power. But today, I think we have to see this situation as though there is nothing but power. Nothing but power. There are no ethical principles. There are no underlying, um, um, there's no underlying logic. There's no particular value in data. Mm. If we understand first and foremost that there is nothing but power, then we will understand the kind of struggle that we're now in. And we won't resort, we won't resort to other approaches that have been rendered relatively toothless. Mm. You know, that is a very dark way <laughs> of ending our year. <laughs> Um, you know, to come to that realization. And I'm thinking of, I, I, I tend to think in history. I think in principles that have been handed down uh, through history. I think of just the, the fact that the entire structure of the parliament buildings themselves have been designed to deal with the raw use of power. Mm -hmm. The division between the alleyway, as it were, between the opposition and the government and the House of Commons are exactly two sword lengths apart so right. that you don't chop the head off of the one that you oppose, but re rather you're in this house of speaking rather than a house of war, um, right. you know, parliament. Um, and we've had all of these uh, deep, rich traditions based on our culture, based on even on the religious um, aspects of our culture. The parliament building itself is full of references um, to uh, law, to ancient law, to religious law, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're into a place where all of that is meaningless. Our history is meaningless. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. It's not just meaningless. It's 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 negative. I mean, mm. it's it is seen to be the remnants of of an evil empire. I mean, I right. I can put it that way. I mean, if if you're dealing with an anti-Western agenda, an anti-Western set of premises, then those traditions you're referring to, the ones that are embedded in our history, and the ones that reflect how the Parliament buildings are created, are are are, are designed. Hmm. I mean, the, 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 the Western um, liberal democratic system, if you, if, you, if you pushed them to the wall and demanded to know what they thought of that system, they wouldn't say this out loud, certainly at the commission right. or anything like that. But, but, the, but, but the idea upon which this, 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 this track is based is that the Western liberal democratic system is oppressive. And therefore, why should we why should we give value to the to the traditions that it's based upon? Those are the traditions mm -hmm. that we are here to 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 rip down. Mm -hmm. 
Bruce, I just want to bring in our special guest here, uh, Professor Ian Benson from the University Hello, of Notre Dame. Yes, good to see you. Hi, Bruce. Barry. The, Ian, we're, I'm so glad you're able to make it to our conversation. We're, we're just right now um, talking about the situation in 2022 where it's actually quite dark. Bruce has given us a very dark sense of where we are, where the powers that be are there because of power with no sense of ethics, no sense of morality. And we have just, I just referenced the whole idea about even in our traditions, even in our buildings, our legislative buildings uh, themselves have designed with so much history. I gave the example of the, um, um, the House of Commons separated apart uh, the opposition and government, but two sword lengths because it wasn't to be a place to fight. It was a place to to debate and to discuss and to deal with those. So that's where we are. Okay, so so Bruce, uh, let's carry on with that thought, and then we'll um, as uh, Ian right. might have something he might want to suggest. So so so. So James Lindsay calls this the iron law of woke projection. I'm not sure if that's his invention, but 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 he refers to it frequently, and and uh, I think he's right. So the iron law of woke projection basically is the idea that that those premises upon which the progressive agenda rests, including the feature that I mentioned, which is that everything is based upon power, uh, becomes true because that's the way they behave, and they become ascendant. So if they uh, theorized it, 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 it is self-fulfilling. Mm. Um, the, world, the world becomes what they think is wrong with it. And they act out all of those negative things that they accuse of uh, the, the, the world of being. And so, so we're left with a political culture, which is primarily power-based as opposed to based upon these other uh, ideas that, that you alluded to in our, in our traditions. Mm. Yeah, and and it strikes me that it's a zero sum game now. Like of I mean, because power, power always is power always is. Yes. Yep. Yep. And and so now it becomes um, no longer about persuasion. It's about coercion. It's about um, if you want to defeat the other side, then you've got to be more coercive than they are because reason is not going to is not going to. There's no uh, trying to convince the other side anymore, which is very well, dangerous. Oh, well, we're in a very dangerous spot, no question about it. But let's just distinguish between between um, reason and legitimacy. I mean, there's still a legitimacy struggle going on because in order to be able to 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 assert your power and to maintain your power, you have to maintain your legitimacy in the eyes of of the, the mass of the public. So there's there's still a legitimacy um, struggle that's necessary. And part of that legitimacy is to is to persuade uh, the, the the populace that you're the you're the good guy. That's that's still going on. And and frankly, exercises like the commission are part of that. The commission, I've I've described the commission as a ritual. It's a ritual in the sense that it's not really about and it never was. I mean it's even even in the act, it doesn't the the commission is not given the job of assessing whether or not the government 
lawfully invoke the Emergencies Act. It's it's, much, it's a much vaguer mandate than that. It's a mandate to essentially inquire into the circumstances surrounding the invocation of the act and to do a report with recommendations. It's not going to resolve the legal question I don't expect. I mean, that question may yet be resolved in a courtroom because there are applications being brought to challenge that invocation, but that's not the role of the commission. And I think people are thinking that it is and hoping that the commission will, will, will provide accountability that's not what this is about, I don't think. Instead, exercises like this um, essentially produce, if it goes well as far as the government is concerned, provide legitimacy to the government's actions. Mm. And as long as you have legitimacy, then you're good to go. Yeah. And which may end up being another early election if uh, the government thinks it can be successful to get their majority. Sure. Yeah. Yes. But let, let me, let's, let's not let's not color this too much through rose colored glasses. I mean, so mm -hmm. it's not like politics was was recent until recently a, an honorable activity. And suddenly it's not. I mean, the <laughs> political activity was always sort of always tread the line between you know, honorable and dishonorable truth telling and 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 making things up. I mean, that's been the right. case for forever. Um, right. But it, there does seem now to be a different threshold where basically anything goes. I mean, in a previous era, if mm -hmm. if um, you know a, a minister or or the like was 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 found to have acted unethically, then there was generally an expectation that that minister would resign. Mm -hmm. That That's completely absent now. I mean, the prime minister himself has been has been caught acting unethically. We had a, a, a recent um, event where another, I think she was a minister, awarded a contract in an unethical situation. Nobody, nobody stepped down. Nobody has, has suggested that this was the kind of behavior that was so unbecoming of a member of cabinet that it was intolerable. Nothing mm -hmm. like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, Barry, may I say something here? Sure. Um, Thomas Moore and Machiavelli were contemporaries and they both had very different conceptions of what the what was requisite in relation to the nature of governance and, and power. Um, one thought that really politics was about power and maintaining power and the other thought that there was a set of principles that uh, transcended the, the mere political or sovereign role and that dynamic which in fact goes back way before Machiavelli and Moore I mean you can see it in every great sort of uh, you see it in, in Antigone with Sophocles where you have uh, Creon, the king's edict about sacred mm. burial versus the young woman Antigone's sense of responsibility under the gods for sacred burial. So, you know, two and a half thousand years ago, you have that tension between uh, a kind of moral and universal obligatory uh, approach to rule versus mere will in the form of Creon or mere will in the form of Machiavelli's guidance or mere will in the form of Justin Trudeau. 
um, the kind of lightweight contemporary version of all this. Um, so nothing's changed. What's changed, however, is that our ability to articulate a, a criticism of these contemporary political frames is now at an all-time low, I think. I think we're extremely weak in being in, in, as a population in saying uh, no to someone like Justin Trudeau, who's transparently a, an idiot. I mean, he is an idiot in the Greek sense of an idios, which is a person without a community. He doesn't have a community. He has a kind of uh, uh, a, a, a pop, popular aura that he buys because they fund the Canadian media. So he has this kind of get out of jail free card perpetually with the Canadian media. Um, but he's an idios in the sense that he has no moral community around him that, that supports his character. The Canadian government has been without moral credibility for almost decades because of its stance amongst others uh, to China. Canada has been as with Australia and as with many other countries, making a lot of people rich through dealing with an extremely corrupt and evil regime, namely China. We've never criticized it, all the while patting ourselves on the back for our human rights record and our human rights culture. Well, it's all BS. Hmm. Can, can I respond to that? Barry, there's Go a lot ahead. of that I agree with. There's, there's a lot of that I agree with. But, but, but I think, I think we're in danger of underestimating a man like Trudeau. Uh, to say that he doesn't have a community, I think is untrue. There are a lot of Canadians who swear by him and believe in him because he reflects the kind of ideology that they think they believe in. And that that's not to that's not to endorse the ideology, but it's to say that that part of the problem that we have in this country is that Trudeau keeps being elected and being supported by a whole lot of people. Now it's true that he's basically bought off the media, but even even without that, a lot of people in the mainstream media are inclined towards these views anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and at, at and at the commission, to, to give credit where credit is due, I mean. Trudeau was their best witness by far. Yeah. He was polished, he was smooth, he was confident. He told the narrative to a T. Now, when 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 we watch Trudeau, we can we can see right through him and we can see the narrative he's spinning and the weaknesses in it. But but it sells. It sells very well. And and he's very he's very skilled at what he does. We might call him uh, vacuous in 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 policy terms when we can see that we can see the the problems in the in the iron fist that he is uh, imposing upon the population in all kinds of ways but but a lot of the a large portion of the population doesn't doesn't see that and they're they're behind it and and in a way that's the problem i think it's a mistake to identify trudeau the man as our problem i, I think trudeau is a symptom of yeah. our problem yeah right? Yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree with that. Yeah, I, I just I agree with I, that. He, he's not the problem. He's he's kind of the he, he's the kind of uh, uh, Jacinta Ardern, Macron, Merkel, 
sure. Boris Johnson. He's just a stand-in. He's a cipher for this kind of contemporary politics without without uh, without a soul. Um, that's what he is. He so no, I agree with you. I, I don't think we we disagree on on this uh, this man. He but I don't think he has a real community. I think he has a kind of um, he has support. That's for sure. Like like it, uh, yes, this Australian character, this horrific uh, Victorian premier uh, Dan Andrews, right, was a bully yes. boy all through the absolute bully. You know, there was in any standard of review in a previous age, the police in Victoria in Australia would have been charged with brutality en masse. But this guy got away with it. And not only that, the electorate put him back in like they put back in Justin Trudeau, despite Lavalin. I mean, you have what evidence do you need of corruption? What more evidence do you need uh, of the way he got rid of that first Aboriginal minister Uh, (laughs) and the Lavalin? The guy, the guy's Teflon. He can blackface all he wants. No one cares. He gets away right. with it. Sure. This, this, this is contemporary politics, if, but it's not moral. It's, it's not a real community. It's a kind of whatever it is. It's a kind of technop, technopoly, a kind of globalist uh, thing. It, but it, it, but it somehow sells. It, it somehow has support. I don't understand the why it does, but it does. Well, my my thinking of it is that we have a term, and it's a term that I picked up from a guy by the name of Professor Ian Benson, and that is there's a symmetry. There's a there there is this an alignment um, that really goes from the prime minister all the way down to the student who's sitting in the class at some public university, even private, even even the so-called religious universities in this country. I think are all. Um, symmetrically aligned, there's asymmetry going on here, where there's very few thinkers who are thinking outside of the narrative. Um, And because we've got the alignment, and we saw that with COVID, we've got the alignment in the medical profession, the legal profession, the judiciary, the academics, the media. Um, He, to me, is the representative of what I call the chattering classes. And um, and as a result of what is an ongoing propaganda machine that is telling everyone to be scared, to be in fear, and they're going to provide a solution for that fear that everyone is to adopt. That, to me, is where, you know, when when he got up in and gave his testimony and i agree with you totally bruce i i think i think he was the most articulate it was probably his best performance ever um and he just he just you know said absolutely he feels absolutely serene and confident he made the right decision and he said it with such candor such conviction such peace that everyone, including some of the uh, conservative-minded um, journalists, wrote, "You know what? Trudeau did an awesome job in his presentation." And to me, he was the most dangerous because what he was doing—he was sugarcoating the use of the Emergencies Act on something that he had absolutely no authority to impose. 
Yeah, I, I, I agreed. Agreed. Um, the, 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 the problem that we start with, though, is a belief in the state. And that mm. belief predates Trudeau by a, by a long shot. And so you refer to the idea that, that you know, Trudeau comes along and, and, and stokes fear and government's going to provide a solution to keep everybody safe. Okay, and and you know, and that's and that's a COVID phenomenon for sure. But the idea that the proper role of government is to produce policy for the greater good is so deeply embedded now that to question it makes you look like a cuckoo. But that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 you have a widespread belief that the proper role of government is to make policy, to manage society, for the greater good then 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 you are the problem you're part of the problem because that's the premise of the whole COVID response and 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 the, and the, and the present government's policies about all kinds of things in order to 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 push this back i think you have to go to that idea and say look all, all, all you people who have doubts about the the the, the present government the present regime the present set of rules, the COVID experience. The challenge is this. Are you willing to go so far in your in your ideas as to reject the premise that the purpose of government is to is to invent policies for the greater good of society? Can you be pushed that far? Because the place we're at now is a consequence of the rolling out of that idea. Mm. But yeah, I agree with that, and I think that comes in part, Bruce, from from a diminution of a of a recognition of the importance of the local and of the community, and of the of the checks and balances of uh, what was understood as subsidiary subsidiarity. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. the whole the whole idea that uh, that we are at risk if we put everything to the top level that's gone i mean so now you have klaus schwab writing his little crazy manifestos on COVID 19 and the great reset in which amongst other things he says the world needs global governance well anyone any student of history knows that the the essential freedom of human beings depends upon checks and balances all yes. the way up in, in, in sure. ordering. It, and, and this guy, idea of global governance is, look, trust us at the top level. We know what's best and we'll, we'll dictate all the way down for everybody's safety and well-being. Well, that's to anyone with any kind of philosophical or historical insight, that is extremely dangerous. And But I think that most of the most of the Western citizens seem to have been mesmerized by this mantra of we'll keep you safe. We know what's in your interest. And that, that did for us. That's what did it. Well, I, I agree. But I also think that a very large proportion of the population in Western countries have grown up in a society in which they've known nothing else. I mean, the, the administrative mm, yeah. state has existed and expanded, being you know, expanded over a period of time now where 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 to 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 question its role is is to be a heretic 
I mean, we 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 come, yeah. of course, from a common law tradition, and and the the, the basic rules about inter you know how you interact with other people are contained in those rules. You know, how do you make contracts when you're liable for for injuries? Uh, what kind of property rights you have, and and so on. But th those are you know private law. Private law. You know how how what how do you order your relationships between other private people? And we still have that, of course, but it's being pushed out in its relevance by all of the public law that we have. And in a sense, even the private law is now thought to be public and fair game for mm. fiddling with the greater good. Um, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's the loss of the idea that your life is yours to manage as you see fit and as you are able to. And if you're able to, then great. If you're not able to, that's still your problem because it's yours. You can't right. have control. If you have control of your life, you also have responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. You got to have those two things together. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. That's you can't right. have control without responsibility, and you can't have responsibility without control. And this doesn't, doesn't go together. But yeah. today, we have an awful lot of aspects in which people are not responsible for their own lives because the, the state has come in to provide for them. Just in terms of even making their judgments about what's right and wrong, mm. and, and and so as a population, and, and as I said, this is this this way predates Junior Trudeau. That that the 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 idea that the, so so these these state apparatus, and, this, and by the way, we're talking about the federal government. We're not just talking about the federal government. We're talking about all kinds of levels of government. Right, I mean, right. The, 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 these these levels of government have pushed out all of our other sort of private institutions, our community organizations, our religious institutions, as as being important, really like, like, like fundamentally important to your life. People now think that if, if they're going to get helped, they're going to have to be helped by some organ of the state. And, and they have occupied the field. And uh, it's just going to be a very hard place to get back from. And and I guess it's it's how do we it is a very hard place to get back and how should we get back and how do we approach it going forward? I mean, like we, we've gone through this absolute brutal experience over the last three years uh, where all of these um, movements that we've been talking about have in essence been exacerbated and have, have uh, the momentum is yes. even greater. Yes. So how, yes. Do, how do we get back? That's the question. Uh, well, I think I think you start at the level of the idea, and, and you you challenge people who are who are predisposed against the experience that you just described. I mean, if those people who know that something was not right these past three years, those people who were against lockdowns and masks and vaccine mandates, the people who supported the truckers, the, the people that that basically agree with what we're saying, they need to be challenged and say. Well, would you agree that the the, the 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 root of this problem is the idea of the managerial state? That the idea that the state is there to make policy to keep us safe and keep us well, that is not the state's job. That's the idea to start with. And once you get people accepting that, then we can go somewhere. But as long as they cling to the idea that, well, this was just a mistake of policy. I mean, the policy should have been different or the people should have been different or, 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 or the checks and balances should have been different. And, and we should have gone about things in a different way. 
No, the problem is the premise. And the premise is it's the state's job to do this. The state's job is not to do this. The state's job is to quell violence and leave us alone. Mm. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on that, Ian? No, I, I agree with Bruce here. I, I think that's right. But it's, uh, it's asking a lot for contemporary people who have no uh, or very diminished conceptions of local initiative uh, and local associational freedom to turn their faces against the ubiquity of and control of the state. Because what's happened with man state managerialism is it's infiltrated exactly as Habermas says with his, his helpful distinction between systems and life worlds, that the systems have two characteristics primarily, and, and law and politics are the systems. They, they colonize and they parasitize the life worlds. And the life worlds are our associational beings, are all of our frameworks, our arts, communities, sports, et cetera, et cetera. Over time, what we've seen is the, the colonizing by the state of these life worlds. And religion is one of these life worlds. And we've seen how as secularism has increased, religion has been pushed to the periphery of relevance. Um, uh, de jure, not de facto. De facto, religions are really important. But what's happened is that the state in its movements has gradually put pressures on, for example, charitable organizations to toe the line. I mean, you know this, Barry, with your work. Mm -hmm. um, for a, the charitable sector now is under, under a strict regime of control by government. In, in, and if charities step beyond what the government wants them to step beyond, they're in trouble. They're going to uh, up to and in, in, including losing their charitable status. So instead of being a free zone of tremendous importance for culture, charities are now almost at the behest of government, where government views the charities as a kind of um, uh, inconvenience or hindrance to its, its function as government, when in fact it should be the other way around that the free freedom of association and voluntary uh, function of citizens joining together should be the basis of our lives together in, in, in the common life of a, of a, of a nation, rather than the, the idea that all, all of our voluntary dimensions are governed by the state, controlled by the state. We function with the permission of the state. We've got it. It's all been reversed. And, and I think Habermas's uh, description is now powerfully present that what's happened is that the, these systems of of governance and law are now parasitic on life worlds and have colonized the life worlds and i think our task number one in education and in living has to be to find means of subverting that systemic control by government so I actually think we need to, as, I, as I've said before, we need to brush off the book on civil disobedience and we need to brush off the book on local organizing so we can start to encourage people to take control of their lives against the state and, and really just tell the state to piss off. 
because what we've got right now is a state that is far too dominant in our lives. And, and I agree. And that brings us back to the convoy because mm -hmm. that's what the convoy was essentially doing. And that's why the convoy yeah. was dangerous. That, that was the threat yeah. that the convoy represented because it was doing exactly as you described it. And, and it was crushed. We and need, it was crushed because they couldn't afford to let it go on. We need a thousand convoys. We need convoys yeah. relentlessly. And we need that spirit of the Canadian convoys, which not only influenced Canada, but it was kind of an energetic movement around the world. I felt it. I felt the, the ripples from those actions in Australia. And we need citizens to, to stand up and say, no, we are not doing this. We are refusing this. We are going to meet secretly if we can't meet publicly. We are going to refuse to wear your stupid face diapers. We're going to refuse all of these edicts, which we don't believe in, and piss off. We need that attitude because that is what stands between us and complete control by this um, dominant and increasingly um, diabolical state. Okay, there's another thing here as well, and I think it's an ancient concept that goes right back to the Roman times of circus and bread, right? So you entertain people, but you provide for their needs. And in many ways, I look at the government today that that is, in fact, where we're at. Every, as we've said, everything about uh, individuals' life today is being so regulated uh, so that now we can't even... Uh, go to our to a website or express ourselves uh, the way we wanted to because of government saying no, that's an inappropriate political opinion. You can't have it, and and I've seen it all the time, even with this program on Freedom Feature, where we're constantly shadow banned on Facebook, and also YouTube just simply will wipe us off. And I've got one strike left, and then that's it. We're done at YouTube. So I mean, there's these kinds of of situations that are imposed and now as with what we've seen in the last little while with elon musk and twitter that the government itself now is saying look here's here are the people you need to uh, uh censor and all the rest the government is providing all of the citizenry with uh the means and the rely like they individuals are being uh Ask, well, not ask, but they are in essence, how do I say, this average citizen is becoming more and more dependent upon the state. And that dependence is now coming with a price. And the price is, is that you've got to accept the opinion and the philosophy and the understanding of the worldview of those who are in power and you must keep in line. That sense of independence the willingness to stand up and be different and to lose your job because you're going to have a different view because you're not willing to go along with what the state directs takes a lot of guts and how do we how do we encourage people to make that step very hard very hard you you you, you don't bite the hand that feeds you and when the state is doing a lot of the feeding, it's going to be very hard to make people sacrifice everything on a philosophical principle, which is what essentially we're asking them to do. And what, what, and what a lot of people did during COVID, refusing to vaccinate or to wear a mask. And, and many of them lost their jobs. And, and you know, those are, the, those are the people that we need. 
We need that kind of courage and conviction. But to get that uh, to happen on a broad basis across communities is going to be very difficult. And 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 so I'm I'm I think I'm back to trying to persuade people one at a time about what the situation is like and. You know, you, you, you can't you can't require them to do this. You can't like you can't compel them to because a lot of them depend upon, you know, the, the, their dependents to provide for their families and feed their kids and, and, mm -hmm. and so on. So it's a lot to ask. In, in a way, this, this dilemma goes back to all the kinds of things that, that uh, characters like uh, Solzhenitsyn was writing about when he was sent to the Gulag. Um, you know, you, 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 you cannot afford to. Uh, to 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 be the to, to be the vehicle through which the lives of the world are expressed, but but how but how you get this kind of how you get how you get the the convoy kind of response to happen on a broader scale is is the question that I have no easy answer. Mm. Mm. How, how do you keep alive and support the free what Lewis C.S. Lewis called the freeborn mind? How do you do that? Well, one thing is you have to sort of recognize who your allies are. And those are the people who have the guts, or as one of my friends described it, the starch to, to yeah. say no. The ones who are willing to put their jobs on the line, the ones who are willing to, like I've got family members who lost their jobs as physicians because they would not, they could not in good conscience prescribe a vaccine that they didn't know the contents of. Right. And they said to their and they were, they were eventually, as my dad used to put it, when he was deputy minister of health in British Columbia, my dad used to say people got drummed out of the brownies. You know, right. the, people got fired for standing up for what's true and what's important. And, and, and we have to support them. Those of us who've been able to maintain jobs through this kind of period of persecution, which is what it was, we need to, we need to look around us and give the moral emotional psychological spiritual support and even financial support to those who couldn't do it or who stood strong and lost their jobs i mean this was done in organized labor for generations you know they, they would put together a strike fund for the days when they didn't have work we need to start thinking through our our whatever our associations are how we can support people who are going to be on the outs when they stand up for what's true and what's just because we're now moving into a period of history and we've been in it probably for some time without seeing it as clearly as COVID made it manifest. I agree. We are now yeah. in a world in which it, it's really clear that there are people who don't give a damn about liberty and don't give a damn about justice. And there are those who do. And the ones who do are going to pay the price for it. And we have to be there to support them however we can. Mm. No, that's that's excellent advice and or observation that as to what we need to be doing to to help and and I know that there is a there is a growing realization that it doesn't come free that people are, have to give they have to give of their time they have to give of their money they have to give of their their voice uh, to to be that voice to be that agent of change in a country, in a society that has been so willing to go along and to be taken advantage of. Guys, I'm just going to, I know our time is uh, coming to an end here, but I, I want to give you all a, 
a chance to, okay, first of all, what have we learned from 2022 that's going to take us into 23 and to be a difference? What, what would you say, Bruce, is that essence of 2022, what we've learned, but looking towards the future in 23, what do we need to keep in mind? One of my colleagues at the law school has a has a saying on his door that goes, don't believe everything you think. And part of the task here to learn from 2022 is to, to reconsider all those things that we assumed were true. Like, for example, the value of the charter. Mm. People should not be assuming that the charter is going to save them from all of this because it's not. It's not the way it works. And the meaning of the charter is in the hands of the courts and in particular the Supreme Court of Canada. And over time, over a long time, that, that, that meaning has been directed in a certain direction. So just because people are used to thinking that we have this document that, that is a that is essentially a you know a bill of rights that will protect them from the overreach of the state. You know, putting too much value on that is a mistake. You'll find out to our detriment, as we have over these past three mm. years, that, that that just that just is not happening. So you have to let go of those things that you consider to be self-evidently true and start from scratch. Boy, I tell you, what a fascinating time. Is there anything else um, that you would like to share or anything? Um, well, yeah. So so let's let's try and find the silver lining in all this. Okay. The silver lining in a way, if you like, on COVID is that all of this has been exposed. Mm. And you can now see how all these various threads through time come together to create what is essentially the, the, the pandemic manager real estate hmm. and of course that they're not gonna they're not gonna turn around and, and, and backtrack on this but we but 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 it's all on display now you yes. can you can you can see it and it may be it just may be that they have overreached and it is so apparent now that you get things like the convoy happening and and, it's, and instead of doing this by stealth, has been ha has been happening for decades. It's now out in the open for those for those who can see it. And so it might be that I mean a lot of people are interested in pushing all this back. And I'm not sure that that's the right approach because I think this is so far gone that you can't contain it now. It's in all the institutions. The infiltration has happened. The people in power have a certain idea. You're not going to be able to get rid of all those people who have this ideology in their head. Mm. And in a way, I'm not sure that the best thing to happen is for it to go forward and get worse as fast as possible. To overreach as much as possible so that mm. we get into really bad times and people can see that this doesn't work. And reject it on that basis and rebuild the idea of sort of drawing a line and saying, well, no more, that number one, that's not going to work. And number two, um, well, <laughs> number two, it's not going to work. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's so it's so far gone now. Those people who 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 are thinking in terms of, you know, protecting our institutions from this, 
I, I've been saying this for a while now, those people are much too late. Those institutions are, are gone. They're saturated. saturated. They, they work in a different way now, according to a different set of premises. You, you can't rescue them. You have to reject their role. Um, you have to, in a sense, a call, you know, call them out as being one of the causes of the of the of the difficult times that we're now in and probably are going to get worse. And so there's there's almost I, I'm just wondering, is, is it almost like a a revolution is necessary in order in order for us it, to be able to continue? A peaceful revolution, yes. Yes, so those people who are speaking like we do mm -hmm. are the barbarians on the outside. Right. And the, 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 the established order does not accept what we are saying. Mm -hmm. And the idea that you know we have a, a, a meaningful role in directing institutions is, is, is very difficult to maintain. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, like with your organization, Rights Probe, with mine, with uh, First Freedoms, we have a role, do we not, in educating people as to the reality that we are currently in. I'm, I'm wondering, one of the individual, one person who looked at something that we had produced and uh, a program, and she said, you know, I hear all about how bad things are. But tell me what I am supposed to do with this information. Right. What am I to do? And I guess what you're saying is you do not recognize their legitimacy because they have no role. They should have no role in interfering into our private lives. Right. Right. And I, I agree. And, I, and that doesn't sound very concrete. Mm. And in fact, it's very abstract. The, the the rejection of an idea inside your head and that's that is abstract but it is also the most important thing uh, the most important first thing to do which is to reject the, the legitimacy of all those ordinary things you've come to to to, to know um ordinary ordinary seemingly innocuous policies from governments of all levels those the legitimacy the, the legitimacy of those policies must be rejected the idea for example let, let's just let's just touch on a couple of things that people might be reluctant to throw out i mean they might think well let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. no no mm -hmm. it's the baby you have to throw out and the baby is for example things like the idea that that states should be running public schools mm. and deciding what the curriculum is that's a that's a big huge problem or the idea that we should have a public health care system where only the government pays the bills that's a terrible idea it is and, the cause and i think of, sorry, and, and the rationale it's it's the cause and the rationale the justification for a lot of, of tyrannical COVID policies mm -hmm. right so so if you reject the idea of the legitimacy of of the policies that you don't like you also have to accept that the other policies that you might not mind so much 
are also illegitimate. Why? Because they are policies of the state that are interfering in your life. They're making the decisions for you. That's the, the idea that they have to reject. You know, I was in a conversation with a family member recently about the role of government and how when a years ago, when a person did not have a job, they were expected by their parents to get out of the house and to go find a job. Right. And today the state will provide that person with a house and they still don't have to find a job. And right. it's not, it's not helping. It, it's, it's painful for that individual to be uh, forced out and to get into the workforce, but it's not helpful if the entire system is enabling um, so that we've now got situations where individuals are literally abled bodied individuals and are not producing and helping society at large, but simply living in the basement and, you know, on computer programs. Well, all that, all that is true. All that is true. If you incentivize that behavior, that's the behavior you're going to get. But on the other hand, the idea of, of, of insisting that somebody leave and go and find their way in the world is, is, is a much more acceptable idea when out in the world you have what is essentially a free marketplace and we don't even have that now we have a, a market that's controlled <laughs> controlled by the state in all mm. different kinds of ways i mean we were referring off off camera to to the difficulty even that employers have in hiring an employee i mean that's a that's a huge tangle now for every employee for every employer that wants to hire employees the state interferes and provides red tape and requirements and and reports and forms and taxes and it's like they don't really want you to hire employees now i'm not saying there are no jobs out there to be taken but but we're so far now from a free marketplace of commercial interests that are competing with each other in good faith that it's and instead we have we have we have protectionism and we have favoritism and we have subsidies and we have regulations and, and, and gatekeepers uh, all over the place all over the place and and for somebody who's in their basement cynical about how the marketplace works I mean I totally get that it's like I don't want any part of this I just want to opt out I just leave me alone mm -hmm. um, I mean nothing good will come of that either no. but but it's not just a matter of saying well out there is the real world get out there and find your own way i wish we had a world in that which that was possible but there are so many vested interests in it now and there are so many tentacles of the state in in, in everything that 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 imagined world doesn't really exist either wow you know uh, i haven't uh I guess, given that a whole lot of thought on that point, but, but yeah, so, so then <laughs> it comes back to uh, that the struggle then is then, okay, then how should we live? I mean, how, like, well, let's yes, look at so, some practicals here for, right. for, for, from our viewers who are saying, you know, okay, so guys, what are we to do? 
Right. Well, you, you know, okay, so bottom line is a very ordinary one, which is everybody's got to just got to do the best they can, given the situation. Yeah. But imagine, for example, imagine that, that, that we were citizens of Rome mm. at the time that Rome was falling. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you have done? And to think now that, you know, the citizens of Rome in that, in that period when Rome was going to the dogs should have done something, would have been able to do something to reverse, to reverse Rome's fall from grace. It's absurd. I mean, they, yeah. there was nothing they could have done. And we may be in the same kind of situation. It might be that we've gone so far that this is a civilizational thing. It's going to play out. I don't know if this is true, but it's possible that, 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 that the, that the, the place has been corrupted in the intellectual sense to such, an, such a degree in the minds of both the, 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 the ruling class, but also a whole lot of ordinary people that you can't just, you can't pull it back anywhere. I don't think going back to anything is any solution. You got to go forward. You got to go forward from where we are and where we are is, a, in, a, is in, a, in, a, in a bad place and getting, getting worse. Um, if you're a citizen of, of, of modern Rome, then, then you know, live according to the principles that you think are important, and and again, going back to Solzhenitsyn, like let like let the lie, let let the lie live, let the lie come into the world. Let it, he he says, let the lie come into the world, let it even triumph, but not through me. Right. Right. No, that's powerful. I, I like that very much. And, and you know, I think we, in the West, we've always had this, um, how will I say, um, a sense of the apocalypse. <laughs> right. You know, right? I mean, from Christianity to even ancient times, they've always had this idea that, you know, societies will collapse and that there will be this apocalypse. And, and I wonder if we are not at the time of ancient Babylon that has been taken over um, or about to be taken over by the Medes and Persians. And, sure. and there's this, this ultimate um, sign in, in the biblical account, anyhow, where there's writing on the wall and it says you've been uh, weighed in the balance and you've been found wanting. Sure. And I wonder if at large our society has, is now facing the handwriting on the wall and we've been found wanting and we're about to witness something that we have never, ever had any kind of conception of. And what comes out of those ashes, um, we're going to need all of the all of the truths of our entire history to be able to refashion what comes afterwards. Right. It would be much simpler if we were going to be taken over by somebody from the outside. Mm. Right. But that's, that's not the kind of situation we're talking about. This is, this is going to be an inside job if you yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and it's going to, it, it's, you know, that line that goes, you know, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is going to be a lot of whimpering in, in the mm -hmm. sense that it's going to happen 
well, it, it might be pretty rapid, but but as as these bad things come down the pipe, you know, digital ID and digital currency and more technological supervision, um, it's 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 and it, it may carry on for a long time. I mean, there might not be any collapse to speak of in this in the short term, because the powers that be will have an interest in carrying it on, and there will mm -hmm. be the technology to 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 make that happen. Who who knows what the what the timeline or the trajectory of all this will take? But but things will get progressively more supervised in our society. And if we're talking in those terms, um, you know, it's very it's very difficult to to get people to be civilly disobedient in a peaceful way when they're being watched everywhere all the time. Mm. And and that's 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 part of the technological angle of this. This I mean, of all the bad societies we've had in the past, whether ancient or or more modern, like past century, I mean, they didn't they didn't have the technology that governments are coming into into, into hand now. That's I mean, for sure. It's gonna be extraordinary. They're gonna be able to shut down your bank account for for nothing if mm -hmm. they want to, because mm -hmm. that's the kind of control that they're gonna have. And so this is gonna be a this is gonna be a very bad scene. Wow, uh, very bad scene, and uh, the whole idea of just simply not giving in within my own sphere, right? Not living the lie within my own sphere. That is, that is the message that we have got to to uh, work on going forward, and it's something that um, that you're doing with Rights Probe, with what we're trying to do here at First Freedoms. Uh, Bruce, um, any any final thoughts, or is that your final thought? Well, I think I probably discouraged people enough for one day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's incredible, really, when we look back and we see what we've experienced this year, and um, you know, the the absolute need for people to wake up is 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 absolutely needed now more than ever. Um, and, and you know, as you alluded to, like it, like it is a fascinating time to be alive. I mean, to mm -hmm. to, to to see this happening. I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a horror show, but it's really it's really interesting. And it's like a it's like a it's like a slow motion train wreck. It's like you, you can't yeah. you can't avert your eyes. And and so in the in the big picture of things, you know, like take it in and 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 sort of feel and realize the sort of pivotal moment in history that you happen to be alive in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so. And that's one of the things I tried to do uh, with this uh, book that I'm working on right now, um, because I see it as a pivotal moment. I think it was the, it was kind of like a gasp of, of like you stepped on my foot and I said, ouch. And that was kind of like <laughs> right. the collective response, you know? Right. Right. Now, I mean, I, and I'm look, I'm really looking forward to reading your book. I I, I really am. I'm 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 impressed that you've managed to uh, to to put this together, and I'm really looking forward to having a look. I mean, we should acknowledge though that you know every generation tends to think that they live that they are the pivotal generation that they they are living the pivotal moment. But but yeah. you know things are coming to a head. I think, and and whether yes. or not this will be a a a you know, you know when and where the actual inflection point will be, and maybe we've crossed it already. Maybe we're already 
on the path and things are done or maybe not uh but mm -hmm. but you know it, it's it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing to watch yeah absolutely well bruce thank you so very much for being with us uh it's always a pleasure to chat and uh um even on this program we got an um our friend ian benson joined us for a few minutes uh but technology while good still not the best <laughs> not perfect yet that's right yes <laughs> anyhow folks i want to thank you for taking the time to spend with us uh and listening in on this conversation a very fascinating and enlightening conversation by two individuals who are certainly uh, ones who are well-read and articulate in analyzing the reality that we now find ourselves. And you may not agree with the opinions that are expressed on our program by our guests or by myself, but we're all about wanting to maintain open and honest and transparent dialogue. And so we want to thank you for your time. And until next time, I'm Barry Bussey. The fight for freedom consists not only in the legal battles in court, but also in the battle of ideas at the universities and in the media. It takes time, effort, and money to keep on top of the debates for freedom. Your donation allows us to keep fighting for all Canadians by giving at firstfreedoms.ca.